This is the Create and Thrive Podcast, episode 201, and my guest today is Heidi Luera, who is the founder and CEO of Raw. And today we talk about her journey starting the Raw Showcase, and also her new book, which is a no-nonsense guide to how to be a creative entrepreneur. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010. And since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. G'day everyone, Jess here and welcome back to the podcast for another week. And I hope you enjoyed last week's show where I interviewed my husband Nick all about you know, our journey uh, working together on the business and uh, living together and working together and being married for the last 10 years. It was good fun and I've got a lot of great feedback on it. So thank you to everybody who's given me feedback. And if you haven't listened to that yet, head on over, you know, one episode back, episode 200 to listen to that episode. I also want to give a huge thank you to everybody who's been leaving reviews and uh, you know, on Apple Podcasts and on the uh, Facebook page, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm just going to read out one of the most recent reviews from Michelle VD Hout, and she says, "Stella, Cret and Thrive is the perfect podcast for anyone with a handmade business or who is starting their own business. I love hearing from other small business owners who have had the same issues, and their success stories inspire me uh, with what is possible. It's also an endless source of motivation. Thanks, Jess." Thank you, Michelle, for such a lovely review. And if you have a few moments and you would like to leave a review, please do. It really helps other people find the show and know that it's worthwhile. And uh, I really, really love reading your reviews as well and finding out what you love about the show so I can do more of it. Now on to my guest for today, Heidi Luera, who is the founder of Raw Show Artist Showcases uh, that started in LA uh, over 10 years ago and have now gone worldwide. We have a number of them here in Australia, actually. So she's come on the show to talk about her journey, why she started it, because she was actually a fashion designer herself, and she really started it to create a place where her and her friends could show their work to the community, and that's where it began. She's also just finished writing a book that's available now called The Work of Art, a no-nonsense field guide for creative entrepreneurs. So we talk about that, talk about her experiences growing her own creative business and then going on to mentor and support thousands of other you know, artists, designers and creative business owners and what she's learned along the way. I really, really enjoyed chatting with Heidi. And I think you'll enjoy the show as well. So let's kick back and get started with the show. Hello, Heidi, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So I'm excited to chat to you today because you have such a breadth of experience with creative entrepreneurs. Uh, You know, you're the founder of the Raw Artist Showcase and you have a book coming out very soon, kind of sharing your, the lessons you've learned uh, over the years. But before we dive into the details of all of that, could you give us a little bit of background? Like, how did you get into the work that you're doing? Yeah, it's a, I'll give you the cliff notes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've always been a creative person. I'm sure every person listening can relate to that, you know, since you're a kid, you know, if you're 
creating and doing different things. But fashion, when I was a young kid, was always my passion. And I would spend hours drawing and designing dresses and making up marketing slogans for the different collections I was going to have, etc. throwing fashion shows in my living room with my karaoke machine. Um, but I also painted and drew and I considered myself wanting to be a writer at that time, which is really funny that, you know, ironically, I've written a book at this point, um, <laughs> you know, 34 years later. But um, I started out kind of with that love of creativity just innate to me. And when I was 18, I decided I am moving to Los Angeles. I'm originally from a small town in Northern California. Um, and my dream was to start my own collection and have my own line. So I enrolled in fashion school. I was, I had some really lucky opportunities to, um, work in the fashion industry at a very young age when I probably had no business there, <laughs> but I was <laughs> 18, got an opportunity, um, took it, um, so I, I kind of got here by accident to an extent. Like I said, I'd always been creative and kind of a, a maker of sorts and interested in that world. Um, but I started my own clothing line when I was 19. And I was fresh and new to Los Angeles and surrounded by, you know, this bohemian city of creativity and lots of different musicians and visual artists and different types of makers. And we all kind of had the same, I guess, gripes about the fact that there wasn't really an approachable entity to go to, to showcase your work. You know, mm -hmm. when I was in Los Angeles, this was 2003 to 2005. I really spent a lot of time whining about this. <laughs> and as I started <laughs> my clothing line, I, I was popping up at swap meets. I was popping up at, you know, any place that would really give me a place to have a booth um, and just kind of testing the waters and trying to sell my clothing line any way that I could. And I just really felt like there wasn't an outlet. Um, so I really came from this organic, I got involved in this because it came from this organic need that I had for my own creations as well as my friends that were near me. So one day, I was like, you know, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Um, I'm going to start a showcase. <laughs> I'm going to do a fashion, music, and art showcase. No one was really doing anything like that and combining those things at the time in LA. Mm -hmm. um, so I gathered all my creative friends and I said, are you guys in on this? Let's all pitch in a little bit of money um, and let's, let's do this. I'll direct it. No idea what I'm doing, but if you guys trust me, <laughs> um, I will make this happen. So. Uh, I did, and that was in 2005, and uh, I ran a showcase here in Los Angeles for three years that was just fashion, music, and art, and kind of not super structured. It was just kind of whenever I felt like doing it. Um, mm -hmm. I was also working and going to school and interning, et cetera, um, and then I kind of found out I 
had this knack for it. I, I assumed that this was just going to be a one-time show, the first showcase. Um, mm-hmm. And then people started coming to me in droves, basically saying like, I want to participate or I have a clothing line, I have art. So I found this kind of gaping hole in the creative community. And it, it really felt like it resonated with me that this was like kind of my calling because I had found a way to kind of merge all of these creative aspects together and they flowed nicely and everyone was networking and people were collaborating with each other and lots of cool opportunities were coming as a result of everyone kind of cross-pollinating their uh, Mm -hmm. communities and so it was kind of an accident, I guess, to answer your question. (laughs) Um, The best things are. (laughs) Yeah, I think so, you know, and so at the time I think I was... um, Oh, I was 19 when I started my clothing line, 21 when I started that, and then ran that for three years and um, did some corporate work, did some event stuff for a while, um, and then decided to kind of merge all of my past experience into really launching Raw the way that I wanted it. Um, So... So yeah, that's the story. And Raw launched in 2009. Mm-hmm. in in downtown LA and we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary this year which is really exciting um yeah. and now we're a global um <laughs> international arts organization and we're in Australia where you're at mm-hmm. um Canada and Mexico City and pretty much all over the United States any major metropolitan city you can think of we have showcase events in all of those cities so how did it go from being one showcase to like I'm going to take over the world basically what was the the thought processes there (laughs) well 10 years for sure you know 10 years of work (laughs) getting here um but really the the process was I had every intention when I launched Raw I wanted this to be bigger than just in one city because I wanted to create a network and a community because I find you know, as independent creatives and independent entrepreneurs in the creative field, you can network all day on, you know, social media, but there is nothing like that in-person kind of communication and exchange when someone is seeing your work, when someone Mm. is, um, you know, touching, feeling, hearing it for the first time and kind of that, that reaction that you get. So I wanted to be able to create a network where creatives could travel between you know, and tour through our network if they really wanted to and have a trusted source in each of the cities that they could, you know, vend at, market at, uh, showcase, perform. Um, so it was very intentional. I knew that that was the plan going into it. And so I think that kind of made the process a little easier too. I didn't like figure it out five years down the road, like hmm, maybe I should take this to other, <laughs> other communities, you know. Um, but that was really the point is kind of growing that and allowing artists to, um, showcase in lots of different avenues. And I, I was just purely curious myself too. I wanted to know what the New York art scene looked like or what, what's it like in Tulsa, Oklahoma or, Mm -hmm. you know, the Sunshine Coast even, you know, (laughs) wanted to know what all of those kind of creative communities uh, we're working on and what we're, what they were doing because everyone's so impacted by their surroundings and their culture. Um, 
So we find that there's a lot of similarities, but a ton of differences too. And I think that just makes it all that more rich and exciting. Absolutely. And so there are some differences that Raw has to like, you know, a traditional show or whatever. Mm-hmm. How, how did that come to be? The things like, um, I believe the artists sell tickets as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. So rather than having artists pay a booth fee, which most, you know, if it's a gallery show, that's a whole different segment. We don't even consider ourselves in that kind of world. We're not trying to be a gallery. We're not trying to be Mercedes Benz Fashion Week or whatever the sponsored, (laughs) sponsoring Mm -hmm. Fashion Week these days. Um, We are really kind of about grassroots more underground people to people local artists to regular people uh type of showcase so the whole concept there was for artists to be able to instead of having to pay anything to participate they could crowdfund to their support system you know their friends family people that support them and just like me and my friends did way back in the day you know everyone (laughs) puts a little skin in the game and then as a result, everyone can benefit from the cross-pollination that happens with the different networks, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it allows artists, they don't have to come out of pocket at all, too. So a lot of our artists prefer that because if you're vending at, you know, um, a trade show or a craft fair or something, you do have to pay a booth fee. Um, mm. Sometimes you can like split that with your friends, but uh, so a lot of our accessory designers that participate with us and our crafters and different handmade uh, types of artists that that showcase with us, they love the concept because they're like, oh wait, what? I can sell twenty tickets and I don't have to, you know, uh, come out of pocket for this, and we don't take any mm-hmm. commission on sales or. And it's, it's, there's a plethora of other perks that kind of come along with participating in a raw event because we're not mm-hmm. just a one and done type of situation. We are, um, you know, a full community. We're, we're worldwide. So an artist showcasing, you know, in Australia could come to us and feature here as well as being a part of our community. Um, and we, we provide photos and social media and lots of other things too. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it is a little different. And, you know, when we first started, people didn't know what to think about it. I mean, we started before crowdfunding was even really a concept. So people, I think people have come around to it now. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, I think how we're different is we kind of have democratized a little bit the, that land. I find that really interesting, especially using the phrase theology of crowdfunding, because I know, uh, you know, there are some critics of the the structure, especially earlier on saying, well, why should, you know, why should I, why should the artists have to basically pay, i.e., you know, crowdfund tickets. But when you kind of reframe it that way, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a lot like life or just being a creative entrepreneur in the first place right you have two options you're either like born into a situation where you have money and you can go and do all your wildest dreams you know (laughs) or you gotta work for it and that's i'm on the side i was i was from humble beginnings so like i've worked Mm. for everything my entire life i'm still working i probably will never stop i actually enjoy it but Mm -hmm. um 
that's kind of the the dichotomy with the ticket type of situation. It's like, look, you, we're not asking anyone. Like, you don't have to participate in rough. It does yeah, not make absolutely. sense for you. But if you're trying to be a creative entrepreneur, if you do want to get your your stuff seen in front of 800 to 1,000 people that attend our showcase, we're not going to make you a famous artist. We're not promising you that. But we're giving you an opportunity to set up shop. We're not going to take any of your sales. We're going to actually guide you through the entire process from start to finish. We have dedicated showcase directors that it's actually an educational process too and self-promotion, which mm-hmm. a lot of artists, you know, I understand. It's it is hard. I mean, I don't like doing press or interviews and look at me, I am on a podcast right now. <laughs> like I don't it's not that I don't like it. It's just like it's not my go-to thing. But yeah. you have to, natural yeah. You you have to self <laughs> you have to self promote. You know when you're when you are your own business, no one's going to be able to tout you as well as you can. You know, no one's mm-hmm. ever going to be able to explain your motivation as well as you can. So, this is raw, is simply a platform and an opportunity for artists to be able to do that. And like I said, we kind of educate and lead them through you know, um, the entire process from start to finish and going back to like the work versus money thing. It's like, yeah, if an artist wanted to pay a booth fee to participate, they can also do that. And then they have 20 tickets that they can give away. We also, um, one of the things that I think we do a little differently too than other arts organizations or showcases is once the artist has sold their 20 tickets, they actually make $10 back in the US and Canada. We do not have this program in Australia, I should mention, Mm -hmm. yet. Um, They make $10 back for every ticket after that. So artists are actually making sales and money off of tickets and, you know, (laughs) they have successful successful showcases just for being involved. Um, But yeah, that's, I think that sums that up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And can you think off the top of your head of one of one or two kind of success stories that have come out of the raw showcases? Yeah, sure. We have um, a fashion designer. His name, and I can't pronounce his last name, so you're going to have to <laughs> forgive me. But he has a very unique first name. It's Vinny. He was just on uh, Project Runway this last wow. season. He got to the top ten. And he credits some of his early success, basically kind of one thing leading to another um, through participating in Raw. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I think it's been like four or five years now since he he kind of like launched his line at our showcase. And then one opportunity led to another that kind of led him there. Um, There's also, and I have actually a couple of examples of this in the book. there is also an artist named Aaron Hammond who participated in our showcase also years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And she got picked up at our showcase by a uh, gallery in Los Angeles and ended up selling to um, like internationally. She was, her work has been taken around the world and been bought by pretty big business owners. <laughs> um, <laughs> that of uh, brands that I don't know if, that I'm allowed to say, but brands everyone would know. So, um, yeah, there's, and I mean, there's tons and tons of success stories. And we also have artist testimonials on our website that people can hear mm-hmm. directly from artists. 
Um, but yeah, the, the success stories are plenty. They are difficult to keep track of. I can tell you that because we, <laughs> have, we have so many artists in, in our network that, you know, we don't always hear about it until later, <laughs> you know, sometimes I have to see, sometimes I have to see it later on Facebook or something that, Hey, this mm -hmm. happened. And I was like, wait, that's a picture from a raw show. Did you, did you guys, <laughs> did that happen here? What were you going to tell us? You know, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely plenty. How does it feel to know that you've been part of helping so many makers and creatives sort of get their work out there? You know, it's, it is probably when I like really reflect on it because it's very natural, I think, and normal being the founder and CEO of a company to be lost in, you know, spreadsheets and deadlines and management mm -hmm. and everything. <laughs> so when I do get the time to zoom out and really think about it, like I, I seriously get emotional about it. Mm. I'm going to get emotional right now. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> no, because I just remember what it was like, you know, trying to essentially is like beating my head against the wall trying to find these mm -hmm. opportunities and, and, um, when I was younger and when I was trying to show my stuff and just feeling like there wasn't, again, a place to go, there wasn't, um, if there was a place to go, it was not somewhere I felt necessarily ready for yet. Um, and, or it was just super, uber, super duper expensive or just, I needed the right connection or this person wasn't mm -hmm. even writing me back, you know? Um, so yeah, it's really it's the most rewarding part of my career that people have actually uh fitted and made connections, collaborated, networked, uh leveled up. Even if it even if Rod just gave them the confidence to understand like their stuff is amazing <laughs> and they think <laughs> this could be a reality that they could pursue. Um, yeah. you know, that's kind of like enough for me uh and I get emails every day from artists that are like raw changed my life and raw's been amazing um <laughs> but yeah so to answer your question it feels it feels really good <laughs> you know when but I do I do have to like pull myself out of the the day-to-day -day grind because it it's a very large operation and there's so many different moving parts um so you know and I feel like everyone kind of goes through that where you have mm. to like remove yourself and be like, wow, look at what, look at what we've done, <laughs> you know, and look at yeah. how it's impacting people in a positive way. So it feels good. Yeah. And I love, for me, Raw has always felt like um, kind of cutting through the elitism that can exist in the fashion and art worlds, uh, you know, letting yeah. people do it for themselves rather than trying to crack into some, you know, upper echelon society <laughs> that they may not know how right. to be. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it too, is like, we want to be kind of that normal like <laughs> yeah. art for people and people, people for art, you know, we're not like, and I'm not knocking galleries, galleries change lives too. You know, it's, it's just a whole different, type of situation and 
yeah, there's a there that whole world is so different. so it, it really is about kind of democratizing uh, the art world and allowing people, like you said, to do it themselves because it's so possible. Yeah, especially in the modern day and age with the internet and everything like that, like it's a whole different ball game these days, really. Right. We are so lucky to be living in a time and generation where this is the reality. Like it, there's never been a better time to be an independent mm. artist, in my opinion, or a creative entrepreneur of any sort. Like you have the world at your fingertips and all the self-education available, <laughs> you know, <laughs> generations before us did not have this. So, No, it's pretty amazing. We are very, very lucky. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the business side of things. You have your book coming up, The Work of Art, A No-Nonsense mm-hmm. Field Guide for Creative Entrepreneurs, which sounds like a fantastic title to me. <laughs> I'm all about the no-nonsense <laughs> guidance. So what are some yes. of the highlights that you can draw out of that to share with uh, our listeners today? Sure. Um, I think overall what uh, the work of art is trying to do and say <laughs> what I am trying to do and say is mm-hmm. I've uh, worked with creatives for almost 20 years, like gone 17 years at this point. Um, and I being a business owner that is also creative, I have gone through every sloppy, messy mistake that you can possibly believe. And I'm going to knock on some wood here because I'm sure there's more to to be (laughs) coming down the road. Um, But I, I, and I've read as a result, I have read a ton of business books and business books that are for creatives and more geared towards creatives. And I feel like, I feel like this is kind of reminiscent of starting raw is kind of I'm seeing this void for someone just telling people <laughs> what it is and how how having a creative career in the arts, um, what it's really like, you know, mm-hmm. and what it really takes. And I think that's kind of a narrative that's missing in a lot of these books and a lot of these educational resources that I that I read online, articles and different things is, mm-hmm. and that's where the no nonsense part comes in. Um, but I've learned a lot of these things the hard way. And so I, I think my book is touching on overcoming all the different obstacles at all the different levels of your creative career, because everyone starts somewhere and then, you know, I'm covering everything from personal branding um, because you as the maker, as the creator are a brand in yourself. And I think mm-hmm. there's some common mistakes that artists make there um, that I've seen across the board working with thousands upon thousands of artists. Um, also, I'm covering kind of the value of self-educating like we were just talking about how you can do it yourself and you have all the resources and tools that you can possibly need day and age Mm -hmm. um i'm also covering balancing um your your creative love and your drive with you know a day job or different types of responsibilities that you have um because i think another common mistake that a lot of artists make is they essentially at the first sign of perhaps success 
um, they quit their day job and they're like, okay, I'm doing this forever. This is my new <laughs> thing. And they can possibly put themselves in a precarious situation because of that. And the reason I say that is because I did that. So you can read all about mm. that in the book <laughs> and how <laughs> bad of an idea that was. Uh, <laughs> not for everyone. I mean, there's, there mm. are exceptions to rules. Um, and just, you know, kind of covering the fact that this is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a, it's a lifestyle choice if you want to really make your, your creative business into a sustaining long-term thing. And, you know, you're going to go through lots of different phases and lots of different levels. You're going to change. You're going to grow as an individual and not kind of being eaten up by that self-doubt or the different possibilities that can kind of happen at every facet and every different turn in the road, you know, not, um, not, I, I guess what I'm kind of teaching in this book is like, I have stumbled all through these different things and here's what not to do, <laughs> but here's also a guide, a guide that I, you know, my recommendations and my kind of advice for you as you're going through these different um, different obstacles because they will come, you know, and if you love what you're doing and you do want to turn it into a business, um, then it, it's completely possible, you know. Mm, it is. You touched on one of my favorite quotes. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I, I think I say that a lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> because like, like you said, yeah. I think people can get excited and kind of jump in with two feet maybe a little too soon or maybe before they've done their um, due diligence and really looked at what that's going to look like in five years' time. Like, is this, is this going to mm -hmm. work? Uh, do I have six months of expenses in the bank in case it all goes pear-shaped? Mm -hmm. <laughs> all of those sorts of practical right. things that artistic people can sometimes be a little bit uh, oblivious to. <laughs> yes, yes. And then on the flip side, too, you know, sometimes it's it, when really good things happen, we're like, yes, we're gonna go all in, right? And then when really bad things happen, too, you can be stifled by that. And you can mm. just like want to throw in the towel, you know, or be overcome with all of this emotion in the other direction also. So it's I that's another thing that I cover in the book is uh, mental health and I actually consulted mm -hmm. with a mental health professional and some of the statistics that I was reading on artists and creatives and entrepreneurs in general are pretty staggering you know um, artists are more likely to have mood disorders or suffer from depression or you know commit suicide even and it's I'm really glad that it's a conversation that's happening in our world for the first time. Mm -hmm. It's been so stigmatized um, for so long. And I have some of my own personal experience with that. So I think that's a, that's another important thing is like our, we're so passionate. We're all creative, passionate people. And so it swings high and low. And so it's important to kind of keep that balance, you know? Absolutely. And I think you hit on a really good point there. Uh, you know, so many of my students will come and say, oh, I, I've just, I've lost all my passion for my work, or I just feel like I'm never going to get anywhere. 
or this bad thing happened and it makes me want to give up. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to, I think, to push through that uh, mm-hmm. and and work on, okay, well, you know, for me, I've been doing what I've, my creative stuff for 10, over 10 years. And I've, I've learned that there are, you know, uh, cycles where sometimes yes. you're really, really passionate and you've got all this energy. And then sometimes you just really don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> I guess the difference between a professional and a, a dabbler is that when you're a professional, you have to keep going and, yeah. and, and work out how to keep going and, and know that, that generally speaking, that feeling, that positive feeling will come back. Yes, absolutely. There's ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And yeah, there's so many different levels as you go through your creative career, you know, and I feel like every level requires a different set of skills (laughs) and that could be daunting and it can, it can definitely have people hoisting the white flag and being like, this is too hard or I just don't feel like it anymore, you know? Um, and I think that's a great tragedy, you know, for a lot of artists is they kind of give up at the first sign of, of, uh, rejection or the first sign of they get a poor review on something or poor feedback instead of trying to feed that and make them better, you know, and become Mm -hmm. a, a better artist or maker or designer or whatever that might be. So, yeah, if you're going to be a creative, a creative entrepreneur, if you're going to own a creative business, you, you got to have some serious chops. And if you don't have them, you have to, you have to grow them. <laughs> <laughs> and before we kind of wrap up, one final thing I'd like to discuss is that tension between the creative artistic part of oneself and the business logical practical part of oneself uh is that something you have encountered and that you talk about in the book absolutely i talk about how i've essentially forced painstakingly (laughs) my internal lever from kind of being on the side of like oh the world is gummy drops and rainbows and this is all gonna be fine and i'm gonna be a creative artist and you know and really having uh several different occasions where i just had to very much like i said learn the hard way and get uh, smacked in the face (laughs) with the cold hard facts of like no if you want to run this as a business if you want to have a career in this right you can go and work anywhere you can go and have a job anywhere and also do whatever creative activity you do on the side and it it can be a hobby there's no one judging that but if you really Mm -hmm. want this to be a business you you have to have both sets of skills and if you can't have both if it's like physically impossible which i don't think it is for necessarily everyone but maybe there are a few maybe there's some percentages where they're just like i cannot do math whatsoever <laughs> um which is fine and fair enough if you can always hire people to do that but you still have to have a fundamental understanding of mm. you know business and how it works and there are things that you have to learn and 
they can be learned the hard way or they can be learned, um, you know, the easy way. And the easy way is probably to start with my book. <laughs> it's tell you all the things not to do. Um, and I break, I break it down pretty brass tacks in the sense like I have step-by-step guides in there. I have no-nonsense advice. I'm also featuring 15 different artists that I have personally worked with. Some are raw artists, some are non-raw artists um, in their journeys. And they're all very successful in their own right, in their own careers um, from all different walks of life and from every different stage in their career. So that's that's also so kind of a part of it too. It's not just my spieling of my story, though that is part <laughs> of it. Um, but I really wanted to write this book because I feel like the number one thing that artists lack and creators lack is the understanding of some of the very fundamental things in business. And those are things that they need to know if they want to take it to the next level. But they also have to, you know, determine whether that's what they want in the first place. So I have an exercise for that in the book too. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. I've, I've found a lot of people I've worked with over the years have, uh, you know, they've gone through one of my courses or something and they've gone, Oh, I didn't quite realize <laughs> what it was going to take yeah. uh, to turn this into a business rather than it just being something I enjoy doing on the side. And some people say, well, right. I'm just going to keep it that way. Cause then it just stays like, it stays right. something fun that I'm doing for myself. And I'm right. like, awesome. Like you've discovered that before yeah. you've put in years of work trying to do something that is just not what you want, really want to be doing. Uh, and I think making exactly. that distinction and making that re- having that realization early as early as possible is really yes. useful. <laughs> that is the core, a hundred percent. You have to get to the why you're doing something, and once mm. you do, once you arrive at that, everything else is so much easier to see, and the path you take from there is so much easier. You know, once you know it what you want. Is. But I think that's that's where people fall into a pit is they get a little, you know. I've seen a lot of people become very miserable just because they've never really actually figured out what they actually wanted to do, (laughs) you know, and what, because I feel like once you do that, you stop, you stop relying on, you know, your job or your boss or your boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever for um, your happiness or looking toward that. You're, you're kind of, once you've figured out what you want within, then you can go forward in the right direction. Absolutely. And Heidi, I'm sure your book will help a lot of people do just that. Where can people go to find it? You can go to Heidi Luera. So it's H-E-I-D-I-L-U-E-R-R-A.com slash the work of art. Um, I will also have it on rawartists.org under the shop section. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure to chat to you today. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Likewise. Thanks so much, Jess. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Heidi, for coming on the show. It was lovely to chat with you about your experiences. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know. Leave a review or just hit me up. 
take a screenshot and share this on your Instagram stories and tell me what your biggest takeaway from the episode was. Uh, huge shout out and thank you to all the members of the Thriver Circle, my community and educational hub for makers, which is opening again very soon to new members. So if you want to take advantage of all the resources in there, uh, the guidance and support that will help you to grow your handmade business faster, then head on over to thrivercircle.com to find out all the deets about that. Thank you so much for being here uh, with me for another week. Love chatting with you. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the podcast and goodbye for now.